Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. And believe it or not, Election Day is in 12 weeks. Once again, a record number of women are running for office, which is super cool. However, women still are not proportionally representative in American politics. Remember, women make up like half the population here in the United States. But right now, only 23 percent of Congress is female. If you look over the course of all of American history, more than 12,000 people have served in Congress and fewer than 400 of those have been women. And according to the House's historical website, only 80 women of color have served in Congress ever, which is two thirds of one percent. Now, those are the federal stats, but we looked into it and it's a similar story in city halls and state houses across the country. So what can be done and what should you do if you have a little voice in your head that's like, hey, maybe you should run for office? Well, Erin Velarde has answers. She is our guest today. She's the founder and CEO of Vote Run Lead, which is a nonpartisan organization that trains women to run for office and to win. Erin, welcome to Nerdette. Thank you for having me. Okay, so I'm going to start with a softball. Why do you think it's important for women to run for office? Because we're better at it. We're better at government. <laughs> we're better at leading. Uh, you know, that actually is the truth. You know, there's a recent um, Harvard Business Review survey, you know, something like nine out of the 10 um, things about leadership. Women ranked higher than, uh, you know, the women bosses than the men bosses. It was everything, I think, except for decisiveness. Uh, We find that women bring more money home to their districts. They pass more bills. They're more likely to have open and transparent democracy in how they do the business of government. So, um, yeah, the facts are really on my side. I I, and I truly believe that. you know, maybe we're not better, smarter, faster, maybe not. Right. But what we are bringing is an entirely new set of perspectives, um, experiences on how we live our lives, how the world affects us um, to the policymaking table that when you do that actually creates better policy for men and boys. So, yeah, that's fascinating. And I love it. And it's a great answer. But it does still make me wonder a little bit like, I don't know. I think about people who might argue that men are just like better suited for politics and whether or not there is like an internalized misogyny around, you know, the fact that so many men are leaders. Like, I think it's pretty pretty easy to argue that the system was built by largely white men. And so like a lot of the ways that it's structured aren't necessarily set up to favor other sorts of people. Right. Of course not. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so, you know, how do we do better even in that system, right, is a, um, just a, a slice of what I think we would get when we actually put women into power who are um, reformers, who are reform-minded, who are looking to tackle the big structural 
changes that need to happen that say how we built this matters and how we redesign this matters. Um, and I, you know, especially when it comes to things like voting rights, we're seeing that right now, the various systems we have across the uh, 50 states, you know, originally voting was set up for property owners. What does mm -hmm. that actually look like right now? Um, as most Americans are in their homes and as we are trying to literally restructure and redesign voting in America. What kind of services and trainings are you providing for people? At Vote Run Lead, we're providing services a little differently right now with uh, COVID-19 than oh, say last year, right? Mm -hmm. So about this time last year, we were in 20 cities across America on the same day, providing a day long training, as well as an online program to um, a total of just under 4,000 women in a single day. It was really oh, historic. Wow. That's amazing. Um, and it was based on our run as you are training, which, you know, by the name, I think you can tell that we are not trying to say, hey, here's how you mold yourself into a, you know, lovely lady politician with your, you know, red suit and your pearls. It's uh -huh. like that is the way of the past and the way yeah. of the future is truly authentic leadership and, and not in that cheesy way you read in, you know, some of the management articles, but to say, you know, you don't actually have to, you know, buy the three B suit to run for office. You can wear jeans and a blazer. You know, you are knocking on your neighbor's door. They want to know how you truly feel and believe. So really just authorizing women and, and saying, give yourself permission to do this your way. Um, but we are teaching the hard skills around, you know, how to run a winning campaign, how to be an insider and an outsider if you are not necessarily connected to party politics, right? But how do you use the resources of parties? And so, it is that mix of hard skills and a lot of that, um, you know, gender leadership development that we know also has different layers for women of color, also has different layers for um, immigrants and new American women, also has different layers for young women or queer women and being just really uh, intentional as we can about those intersections um, and really bringing in women who are representative of a, of a wide swath of women leaders right now, women who've ran and won, women who've lost, women who were the first this or, you know, the second woman and now majority on the city council. Um, so just really trying to find the different dynamics and showing our folks a new, um, you know, it can be done differently. Right. It's mm -hmm. a, a heavy dose of inspiration, a heavy dose of hard skills, um, and we hope a heavy dose of sort of mind shifts um, changing in that you are really the one we've been waiting for. It's really your time. The skills that women have been honing sort of outside of these positions of power are truly the skills that are needed inside the halls of power. Oh, I just love that so much. So you started Vote Run Lead in 2014, right? We did. Yeah. How? I mean, I know the pandemic has like completely thrown everything for a loop. I and I don't mean to like brush that aside, but maybe like before 2020 started, how would you say things have changed and the landscape has changed since you started in 2014? Oh, well, Mr. <laughs> Trump being elected. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it's really ignited something in uh, American women that we, you know, we had been poking at that bear for a long time uh, to say that the pace of change had been too slow around women's representation, to say that it had been pretty typically sort of some of the same women from, you know, elite colleges or wealthier backgrounds, often white, who were able to make it through to the sort of echelons of, you know, political power in the U.S. Often married to already powerful men. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so I think one of the things that there are many things that happened, you know, um, a highly competent woman, as we now know, a not competent man, right? It was a familiar story to many women in the private sector or mm -hmm. any job. Um, a 
you know, getting the promotion or getting picked, right? Um, yeah. I don't mean generally, <laughs> though that may be familiar too. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, I think popping our head up and, and going, oh, this happened at the highest level. Let me take a look at my neighborhood. Let me take a look at that, you know, county commission that is, you know, doing that road and bridge project or, you know, hasn't put a stop sign up. And they started to Google their own city councils and the pictures were the same photographs of, you know, men who had been on their city councils for 25, 28, 31 years. And it started to really click that, no one else was going to do this, right? There wasn't some, you know, secret sisterhood of women who were quietly running for office. It was like, no, you're it, we're it, you know, again, we're the ones we're waiting for. And, and that, mm-hmm. you know, throw in a heavy dose of, of anger and disappointment. Um, and women, I found, and I never really got any journalists to sort of pick this up, but almost all the women that I talked to had a very visible reaction to, a very patriotic reaction to the election being tampered with by a foreign government. Hmm. And that that integrity of the American system, the integrity of American government, which we know from research, women actually have a stronger social contract with government. We use more social services. Maybe that's why, I don't know. Hmm. But that was also this through line that that was, that was not going to happen on their watch. Um, and so there were a lot of dynamics, but we were ready. You know, we had done, I think we had about 60 resources online already. We had had this network around the country. Um, and so we have a pretty huge word of mouth network. Um, that's like, Hey, go, you know, look at vote run leads, 10 things to do when deciding to run, you know, look at their <laughs> 90 day challenge. And by the end, you'll have figured out what you want to work on. So um, we've been putting together really great pieces of curriculum to really help women who say, hey, I think I might want to do this, go, okay, this is the office I'm running for, and I'm going to go file my papers. That's so cool. So if someone is listening to this and thinking, you know, maybe I should run for office, obviously, they're a little late for 2020. But if they're thinking that maybe they might be interested in trying this out for, you know, 2022, what would you say to them? You are enough. The skills you have, the talents you have are exactly what's needed to run for office. And people like us at Vote Run Lead can teach you, you know, how to create a voter contact map and, you know, get out and knock on doors in your district to make sure that everybody who needs to vote for you votes for you, right? We can tell you what offices are open and available to you. Um, in fact, you can go to our website, voterunlead.org, but you can also go to one of our partner at websites called voterunlead.runforoffice.org and they have like tens of thousands of seats so you you drop your um, address in and it tells you who represents you up and down the ballot who you can run against and when those seats are open Um, so there really is um, a support system out there and I think there's also just a different reception right now to women running so start telling people you know having those conversations to say hey I've been thinking about this what kind of reception are you getting you know um, for the haters, it's like, oop, okay, you're going to go on my do not ask to donate list, right? But find the people who, you know, are saying, hey, that's really interesting. You know, I, I think you would make a great elected official. You have the background for it. Like, start collecting that data that supports you in, you know, taking the next couple of steps. It's interesting thinking about in the this in the context of fear of failure, which I think you know, is very common, especially among women, especially these days. What would you say, like, is there still something to be had if a woman runs for office and loses? Yes. And it's a strategy, right? It's a strategy. Um, This is, I mean, the heart of this is about power. It's about a new model of power. It's about sharing power. 
Um, and so one of the ways that you can influence power, that you can make change in the way that you want to see it is by building your political capital. So we had an alumni run for Kevin uh, against Kevin McCarthy in 2018. Kevin McCarthy, the House Minority Leader from California. Yeah. Right. She didn't win, but she built up a huge roster of support. She gained name recognition. She's Latina. She really galvanized the Latino community in the district. Um, she is now working as like one of the like top, you know, Latino outreach advisors for Joe Biden. Right. Um, and so it, it's it's really that kind of you don't know where it's sort of going to take you until you sort of step into this, right? She has a community of people behind her. Um, and now there's another woman running for Kevin McCarthy's seat. And so, hey, that might, you know, <laughs> like she's also ripened the political groundwork for someone else to challenge people who have gone unchallenged. Um, I also truly believe that you can change the agenda. You can change how that um, incumbent behaves, how that person you're running against talks about issues that they had never had to talk about before. Um, so, you know, there's a bit of a strategy in thinking, hey, I'm a long shot candidate, but there's a lot of good reasons why to do it. Now, losing sucks. You know, <laughs> you have put like your heart and soul into this, you know, in your heart, you're a better, you know, person for the, you know, sort of candidate, like leader for the job. Um, all these people have worked for you and volunteered for you. Um, but I think of someone like Bushra Amiwala, who is now the youngest um, Muslim elected official in the country. She's Pakistani American. She's a Skokie school board member in um, Illinois. Mm -hmm. She had lost a county commission seat. She's actually in the new documentary called And She Could Be Next that is on PBS and is beautifully done. And you see her like hiding in the bathroom when she lost that first race. But the person she lost against, the male incumbent, took her to breakfast huh. and people were engaged. She had something about her. There was a magnetism and he encouraged her to run for the school board seat. Um, and now wow. locally making an impact, but has a national platform to inspire young women all across the country to run. Um, and so you just, it's, it's just like fear in any other job, um, except this one you're really kind of doing out in public. <laughs> mm -hmm. But it still just is really all about just putting yourself out there and being yourself and seeing what happens. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, in all the years I've been doing this, I think I had maybe one woman say, like, I wish I didn't do that. But that is a that is a rarity. It is an experience like no other. Um, and you will learn so much about who you are. You will always come out better for it. Oh, it's so cool. You're so inspiring. So, Erin, I have to ask you, have you ever thought about running for office? I have thought about running for office. I, uh, you know, I was class president. I was that, you know, nerdy. <laughs> Nobody ran against me in high school. <laughs> Vote for has a nice ring to it. It um, sure does. You know, I, I do like who my representatives are here locally. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, as a founder of any organization, I think you really give your heart and soul to your organization as you're out of in your sort of early founding years. But we're in a different place now where, yes, I, I do want to be sitting on some on boards and appointments and, you know, starting to build that different kind of resume for one day running. Nice. I like to hear that. Erin Vlardi, thank you so much for talking with me. This was really great. Thank you. This was amazing. Ugh, Erin Velarde, what inspiring advice. I love it so much. And I hope that she got at least one of you listening right now to, I don't know, even halfway consider the idea of running for office. All right. One more thing you don't want to miss in just a minute.
Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. A hundred years ago this month, in August of 1920, the 19th Amendment was officially added to the United States Constitution. It said people couldn't be kept from the polls based on sex therefore allowing women the right to vote. It took decades to get the 19th Amendment passed, and we still have a long way to go. Jim Crow laws stopped many Black men and women from voting until the 1960s, and there are still many, many voting rights issues happening right now. But I still think it's important to mark the victories along the way. And the first time women were able to vote in a general election was in November of 1920. Nearly 8 million women did. And I know it's hard to believe, but November of 2020 really is right around the corner. And when you fill out your ballot this fall, I hope you take a minute to remember 100 years of hard-fought progress. Here's to 100 more. All right, that's it for today. The show is produced by me and Justin Bull. Our executive producer is Brendan Banazak, and we will see you on Friday. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.